0: questions that oftentimes uh, demands an answer is this question that is familiar with most of every one of us tonight. Why is it that God works on a believer's life? Why does God bless a certain person Why is it that I see that person experiencing God in such a phenomenal way? I hear that they're experiencing miracles, signs, and wonders. And why is it that I don't seem to have that experience? What is the differentiator? What is the distinguishing factor that makes the difference between those two believers. Now, you heard me preach two weeks ago concerning the soil, the condition of the heart. And this is kind of like part two to that message, because what it is that you're going to find in in this message tonight is my link to what I said two weeks ago, and how true it really is that the person's heart determines how much you encounter and experience God. How many believe that God is consistent? God is not a liar. God is true to His Word. This is the awkward reality that I cannot seem to grasp when we deal with Christians who know what the Word of God says, but yet they don't see that work of God in their life, and they're cool with it. That's what bugs me. My son, like he shared with me on Sunday, and I shared with you Sunday night, he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. He said, Daddy, I felt the Holy Spirit. And when he shared that with me, what hit me is here's a young man who has already been able to distinguish between what it is to be in the presence of God and what it is not to be in the presence of God. And when you can distinguish that, what it does is you begin to strive every time you come to service to get into that presence. So I asked him Sunday night. Did you feel? Did you encounter? He says, yes, I felt God moving. I felt the Holy Spirit tonight. So I said, this is what it is. Sometimes older people don't even differentiate. They're like so cool that they come to church and don't even experience God. And they're fine with it. What's wrong? What has happened? How can it be that you can be a Christian and you've not seen God move? supernaturally in your life for a long time. So I want to address that tonight because there is indeed a difference. God doesn't play favorites. But God has people He has favor upon. And I want you to think with me in Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 through 8. We're going to read the story of two brothers, Abel and Cain. And I want to bring an understanding to us in this place, if I could, as to what truly triggers God to move in our lives. Genesis chapter 4, that's the the simple context of what I want to preach on tonight, a sermon I've called, Yield and Yearn. Not yin and yang. (laughs) Yield and Yearn. Okay, so Genesis chapter 4, verses 1, to what did the pastor preach on? He preached on yin and yang. No. Yield and yearn, okay. And, and, and if you don't know what yield means, yield means surrender. Yearn means desire. Surrender and desire. You got to learn to surrender and desire for God. And so I'll talk to you about that at the end of the message. But let's go into the, into the Word of God. Genesis chapter 4, 1 through 8. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, like the. <laughs> no, that, that meant that he slept with her, okay? And she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desires for you, but you shall rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. So let's look at this for a few moments. And don't worry, don't get uptight with me. I'm not preaching about money. Okay, just, just hold your horses and relax, okay? The story of Cain and Abel tonight is a story that relates to many believers. Why? Because it reveals to us that pleasing God The only way to please God, the Bible reveals this to us, the only way to please God is by bringing to God your best. This is essentially the only way you can please and encounter God. There's no other way around it. Listen, Pastor Greg Mitchell preached a few weeks ago, uh, 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 arrows on, on the subject of education arrows of the future, and and in line with what he was preaching on, uh, this sermon came about from there because it began to dawn on me that one of the greatest pitfalls for many Christians today is the action of a Christian without the heart being in it. That's right. yeah. So you can pray but if all you do is pray and no reverence for God. Listen to me. When there's no wholeheartedness, you're better off being a Buddhist or a Muslim. Yeah. Yeah. The only way to move God is wholeheartedness. Point blank. I'll show you that in scripture in a moment. Because if all we're doing is playing religious games, We come to church, but our minds are elsewhere. We come to the house of God, but our heart isn't here. You're wasting your time. We don't want to fill the seats in this building. We want people with a heart for God in this building. You've heard me preach for the past couple of weeks, what is our intention? Numbers is in God's hands, but greatness is in our ability to minister and grow and mature and draw closer to God. So what is the desire of the church? To accomplish the great commandment and to achieve the great commission. Yeah. This is the purpose we exist. This is why we're here. And so when you remove the element of bringing your best to God, you eliminate the ability to please God. Yeah. You will never please God coming half-heartedly. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to me. You offend God when you come half-heartedly. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's the reality and and I'll show you in in scripture, you know, I was listening, you know, one of the other things that really triggered the sermon I was taking, we were driving yesterday night and I was just listening to this radio station BFM and uh, there was a lady who represented a soup kitchen. So she feeds the poor, she feeds the hungry. Uh, they have a couple of different soup kitchens in KL. They go to Chowkit, they go to different parts of KL. And what they would do is they would prepare meals and they would serve. And so, every once in a while, every so often, they would get a call from some random person who would say, Hey, I got some food. Uh, we catered for a dinner and uh, we didn't finish the food. And so, uh, we would like to share and give that to you. And you know what she said? She said, Do you think we're animals? <laughs> yeah, come on, come on. She said, People cook the food at 11 in the morning. They come for the function at 5 o'clock, your guests eat the food at 7 o'clock, and then you want to give it to us at 10 o'clock at night. Be genuine. She said, Don't give us your leftovers. She said, what people don't realize is they think we're being snobbish. They think we're being arrogant. They think we're being prideful. No, I agree with what she said 100%. If you want to give, give generously and give sincerely. Don't give your leftovers. Oh, this one I don't use, so take and go. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Are you with me? Don't do that. That's unethical. And she went on to say, she said, you know why? Because these poor people stay on the streets. They have no toilet to go to. Imagine if the food that is given to them is spoiled. Where would they run? Where would they go to toilet for? Where would they be? And I understand that even fresh food can cause that to happen. But this is asking for trouble. And I ask you tonight a very simple question. What did you bring to God tonight? Your leftovers? You see, I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about your energy, your strength, your attention, your focus. Are you giving God your very best? You see, Abel, in our text, beloved, chose to bring the firstborn of his flock and their fat. What does it mean? It means it was the first, the very first that was birthed in the the herd, the very first that was birthed in the flock. He brought the very first and he brought the fattest, the best and the first. So I'm convinced that the first is always the best. That's why we challenge people to wake up first thing in the morning. Not eat your breakfast, but pray. Your stomach can wait. You need to spend time with God. It is priority. Why do we challenge people to tithe? Oh, because we need money. Beloved, listen. God knows how to take care of His church. You just be faithful to Him. The point is, when you tithe, you simply put God first. the fetters and the choices. Both Cain and Abel were involved in business. One took care of uh, the, the animals, while the other took care of the vegetables and the plantations. But what impressed, let's use the word what pleased God about Abel's giving or Abel's offering was that he brought a wholehearted offering. Whereas Cain brought a half-hearted offering. This right here is what sets everything apart. This right here is what makes all the difference. This right here is what causes God to look from heaven and he sees that Abel who offered it all, he gave it all and he offered it all completely to God. This leads to God's pleasure. When we come into service, we give God our attention. We are not distracted. We are paying attention. God, speak to me. I come to church because the king has a word for me. And I want the king to speak to me. Everything else needs to weigh. Everything else needs to be put aside. And we come with our full attention. We come with our hearts and our minds engaged and set in place. But what was so wrong with Cain's offering? What was wrong? Didn't he bring an offering? Yes, he did. Isn't that true in many Didn't I come to church? Wasn't I in prayer? Wasn't I giving? A, wasn't I there for worship, Pastor? Wasn't I this? Wasn't I that? Wasn't I in morning prayer? So what, beloved, if your heart isn't there? Come on, come on, come on. You know who you mock? You rob yourself of what God wants to do. You see, beloved. What was so wrong with Cain's offering? Can we be very honest? Very simple right here. What was so wrong? Just one thing. Just one thing. You write it down. Big, big in your book. It wasn't the best. That's all. You see, the moment you don't come with your best to God, you can never please God. But pastor, I'm going through problems. Yes, what is the best you can come with in all your problems? What is the best you can bring to God when you're going through those circumstances? You see, the best is never to give an excuse and say, oh, I I don't have time for God. That's never the best. The best is to always say, I still want to make time for God. I still need to pray. I still need to do what is necessary. I still need to do this because I understand that God, when God isn't given my best, He gets offended. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. What is God's intention? Every time you come to church, He desires to mold. He desires to change. He desires to challenge you to come with your very best, beloved. To come with your best tonight and say, God, I'm with all that is in me, with everything that is in me. You see, we mock God when we come to Him without bringing our best. It is a mockery. When a believer thinks this, God understands. God knows how I feel. God knows what I'm going through. Look through the Bible. God never pitied anybody. Do you you realize that? Can we we go through some examples? What about Elijah? Oh, take my life. What did he say to him? Are you sitting here and pouting? What's the matter with you get up? Yeah. Yeah. What about Jonah? He grew the plant. Over. Oh, you saved all that. And he's crying and he's pouting and he's upset. What did God say to him? Are you upset because I killed the plant? But you will not, be, you will not mind that I killed, Nine, that Nineveh would be judged? Mm-hmm. What's the matter? God never sympathized. Yeah. Yeah. When you know who God is and you treat him with disrespect, with anything less than the best, it offends God. For Samuel chapter 15:22. So Samuel said, "Has the Lord great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Listen to what Samuel tells Saul. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to the people who don't like to give, they'll use that excuse. Oh, you see, God said better to obey than... No, let me be very clear with you. When you obey, sacrifice becomes automatic. Amen. Amen. When you are in obedience to God, sacrifice becomes a lifestyle. You willingly sacrifice your time. You willingly sacrifice your resources. You willingly... say, No one has to make you do it. But when you think, oh, did you see? I came for prayer. God, you're going to bless me because I prayed. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> do you think God can be, can be bright? Come on, come on. He's not a butler or a sugar daddy right. for you and I to think. Just because we do something for Him, He's going to do something in return for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Samuel is telling Saul. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. And when you think about this passage in Jeremiah seven twenty-two to 24 there's another text here. It says, For I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this is what I commanded them. Look at what he says. Obey my voice, yeah. and I will be your God, yeah. and you shall be my people, and walk in all the ways I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Yet they did not obey; yeah. they didn't follow, they didn't incline their ear, they didn't follow the counsels and the dictates of day. Followed the counsels and the dictates of day, and went backward, not forward. Listen carefully sacrifice will never replace obedience. To God, this is very personal. That you and I come to church with a pure heart. You and I come to church with a heart that is clean, that is righteous. And I know we are all sinners by nature, but God is seeing beyond that. Have you been are righteous? Have you been obedient? Have you chosen to do the right thing? Have you taken stands for godliness? You see, when a person's mind, when a person's heart is distracted, when a person is in worship and when a person will not give God their undivided attention, we declare he is not worthy. You know what you tell God? You know, have you have you spoken to some people and 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 and, you know sometimes they are so distracted with their own thing, and you know you walk into their room and you know you want to talk to them, and yeah, yeah, tell me. Mm. Tell me right? Or or you know they are with their phone like this, and then you and then you try talking to them, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, go on, go on, tell me how valuable you feel. You feel disrespected. You see, most people don't understand that. Asians don't realize that a lot of times because many a times character, how we treat people, the ethics. and that's how we treat God. Yeah, yeah, God, tell me, God, tell me. I'm listening. Yeah. Ah. Ah, yeah, yeah, God. yeah. Why? Beloved, I'm not lying to you. Read some books. You know that God killed Uzzah for not having reverence to the Ark of the Covenant? He touched the Ark. And David said, why did you kill him? One simple reason. No respect for God. Do you know who God killed on top of that? Ananias and Sapphira. Oh, if I was blessed, I would give it all to God. And when they had it, that's why God doesn't bless naysayers. Oh, if I had a million dollars, I'll bless the church. (laughs) Just bless the church with what you have now. Don't talk big. It never happens. When you have a million dollars, you forget the church. You look for a mega church where the pastor is a celebrity. <laughs> I, I know. I, I've been around long enough. I can tell you, beloved. It, it happens. When people, get, when people are blessed, when things begin to happen, you know, people's attitude begins to change. And God, and, and God began to deal with them. God struck them dead. And can I tell you, God may not physically kill us, but you know how many Christians are in church? They don't have relationship. God will not speak to them anymore. Jeremiah 7, the Bible says, don't even pray for them because I'll never hear your prayers for those people. Do you know that? Have you read Jeremiah 7? Didn't we read Jeremiah a few few months? did we read Jeremiah? We read Jeremiah. And, and, And the Bible says that I'll never hear your prayer for them. That means I can pray for you. But God said, I'm not listening. I won't touch them. Let, them. let them go through life. Whatever the world can do, let the world do it for them. Why? Why does God do that? Because people think God is a cheapskate. Here, take my loose change. Here, take my leftovers. i got time I give you. i got no time I, I forget you. Can we set the can we set the, 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 the rhythm straight tonight? God doesn't need us. We need Him. But how have we twisted it around, haven't we? When I got time. I gave you the time. You know, it, it's like my kids, you know. Uh, can I take a bite of your food? No! But, but I, I bought that. And then when you walk into their room, get out of my room! (laughs) But, but, uh, that's my room. Uh, You want to pay rent for this month? How does God feel when people treat him like that? (laughs) No, no, that's my money! But I gave that to you. No, no, that's my time! But I gave that to you. Do you realize I can put you on an oxygen tank in the hospital if I wanted to? (laughs) Giving God leftovers. How insulted does God feel? He showed us in this passage. I want you to know, beloved, I'm preaching this because I believe that God deserves the best. God deserves in this generation and in this culture where people are trying to mingle other gods with our God. Stop it! Our God died on the cross. He is the only living God. You see, God will never tolerate second best. Your sacrifice cannot replace your requirement for righteousness. Righteousness is God's language of blessing. If you want to be blessed, beloved, you're going to have to learn to walk in obedience. In obedience, you will sacrifice. But to sacrifice without obedience is a lack of reverence. I want to say that again. In obedience, when you are in obedience, you will have a lifestyle of sacrifice. A person who is obeying God will generally find ways to make their sacrifice to God come. But to sacrifice without obedience, to just give or to just come, or to just say, you know, God, I've done. Beloved, as I preach to you on, 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 Sunday, on Sunday morning, you know, <laughs> for my family and I, and, and a number of people in this church, most of you know, we're here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesdays, every morning for prayer. Tuesday nights we fast, every Tuesdays, and everything else in between, right? While we are now trying to work a job, We had to make our decisions that God's kingdom come first. I told Siva the other day, I said there are things I had to change because while I'm working right now, I have to make changes. Have you given God your best? I bring a challenge to you. Last week we asked for the rent to be met. 7,000. Only 500 came in. Chang, you want me to do magic? Have we given our best? Where do we run? Have we given our best? Tonight, that's the question. Have you given your best? Oh, it's quiet now. When you, when you stand, that's why I don't talk when you don't walk in the man's shoe. And you have to raise two children, feed them, pay for their school, take care of needs at home, take care of personal finance and church finances. It changes the dynamic. Easy for spectators to talk. But when you're sacrificing, it changes the dynamics. But we choose to keep quiet. God We've done our best. So let's consider right here, because you cannot buy God. He's a God of justice. You cannot just throw in one million dollars and think, and God's going to move for you. Or show up two weeks and three weeks for services. Or, you know, just show up and say, you know, God, I want you to help me. And God's going to show up. No, no, it doesn't work like that. With God, He looks for people who give the lifestyle of their best. A man will reap what he sows. The outcome of life will be a telling sign. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Cain became upset. Do you realize that? Do you realize that? I mean, think about it. How irritating can a man be when all he could bring to God was his second, and he said, Cain brought his leftover, he brought, you know what, I I had my best, now I'm bringing this to you. And then guess what? He does this to God and he gets upset with God. I have people who are upset with God today. Because God didn't give them a breakthrough. God didn't meet their need. God didn't answer their prayer. Or God didn't do what He wanted, what they expected God to. Hey, oh, they, they complain, they murmur, they, they go all out to say, Oh, you know God, how can you do this to me? His response in this passage, the Bible tells us, Why is your countenance fallen? Why are you angry, Cain? God asked him, why are you angry? Cain is a typical example of a half-hearted believer that expects God to bless him without him giving his best. Can I say that again? Cain is a typical example of a half-hearted Hearted believer. Can I tell you something? If God doesn't move for you the way you expected God to, move, if God doesn't answer, maybe you prayed for, you expected, and, and you, you had to battle some things through, and you've had to go through some things. Can I, can I say to you, beloved, you can never stand before God and say it's your fault because God will turn right around and tell you, What have you done for me? What did you do? See, we all think somehow what we've done is great. How we all think, oh, somehow what we've given is, is great. But God looks at it from a very different point of view. And I want you to understand, he gets upset with God, and this is a familiar scene even with Jonah. Jonah is sitting under a tree and he's pouting, he's complaining, he's murmuring because of the lack of reverence and the faith he had in God. What was the reason he brought his second best? The very same reason every Christian brings their second best, they have no faith. Why would you not empty your bank account? Because you have no faith. When would you trust God? Why haven't we? Why have we over and over and over made decisions to sacrifice, to give it up, and to make decisions? Why? Because we wanted to trust God in faith. Your faith level can be determined by how much you're willing to sacrifice. That's the truth. See, what God says in this passage, if you do well, will you not be accepted? What is God saying? If you do well, if you do well, if you did your best, if you gave it all, if you gave your very best like your brother Abel, don't get upset with God that God blessed someone else. If you did your best, Would you be upset? That's what God is saying here. Will you not be accepted? Will you have not pleased me? He became upset with God because of his own lack of reverence and faith in God. No one else. I speak to people over the phone. Pastor, I'm upset. God has not been hearing my prayer. It's your fault, bro really it is when you could come to church when you could tie, you didn't tithe when you could be faithful in the house you never been you were never faithful when you could come and pray in the morning you never came then now it's god's fault are you serious bro see how many times people blame god when the real problem is them you will never be able to go before God and say, God, I've done my best. Because it takes faith. You see, until you make a deliberate conscious decision, until you choose to give your best to God, this includes, this is why nowadays, I shut my phone off by 9, 9.30, I'm off to bed. I try to sleep early. Why? Because I wake up at four and there are times when I'm tired. I'm bushed. I'm dead tired. You know, the amount of things my wife and I do all the way from the time I get home from prayer, I'm starting working on sermon at about seven in the morning. Working, working, working. And then now we're working on a job. We're working and working all the way until about five. The moment we get done, the kids want our attention. We have to go out for a run with them. Go out cycling with them. Take them out. Come home at about seven. Sit down. Spend time. I'm with them. And then by 9, 9.30, I'm bushed. We're both bushed, tired. We go to bed early. Why? Why? So we can wake up early and give our best to God. I get my children to sleep by 9, 9.30. Why? Because I want them to wake up and give their best to God. Every time we get an income, every time we get paid, we put money aside. Why? Because we always want to give God our very best. What about you tonight? What about you? Are you gloating? I'm in prayer. I'm in church. What have you sacrificed recently? Can I challenge you? What have you sacrificed? What kind of offering... Have you shut things off so you can spend time with this book to sacrifice going deeper? God, I'm giving you the best of my time today. See, if you never do that, God will never be pleased with you. Never. You'll never move God. Now you may say, oh, but my finances are good. It's true. But do you know something? Can I tell you the truth? it can be far better. That's the problem people don't see. I'm okay, what? I got enough money. Yeah, but God is so wanting to give you far greater breakthrough, but he just can't because you're just unwilling to give your best. See, Jonah, in him being upset, beloved, he seemed to have forgotten that the one who's in charge is not me, it's God. He's in control. And when we refuse to revere Him, there are consequences. It is within the human heart to always see ourselves as right in our own eyes. In Cain's mind, you know why he got upset? Because he thought, I'd done my best. God, haven't I done this? Haven't I done that? Haven't I? Haven't I? Haven't I? Haven't I? He thought he did his best while God saw it as his least. It's fascinating that people somehow view God as a butler, do what they want for, him, for them. When a person gets upset with God, almost always, almost always, you reflect back and you say to yourself, you know what, I've not done my best. You realize that only God can help you in all of your circumstances. You see, you can get offended with me, beloved. I love you. That's why I preach what I preach. It is not an easy pill to swallow, but listen, listen. Read the Bible. I stand on this book. God doesn't want second best, He wants always your best. Seek first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness. Have you realized how much of that order people have messed up today? The best of our attention, our heart, our mind, our strength, our energy, our talent, our ability. You see how much of that the world gives away to jobs, careers, And all of that, when it comes to God, they want to bring leftovers. So what must we do tonight? Let's close. 39 minutes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep His commandments. For this is men's all. Hebrews 11.4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. You see, there must be an understanding right here. Two things that the Bible tells us about. What is the whole matter? What what matters to God? The Bible says, fear God, keep His commandment. This is man's all. All Alright? This is man's all. This is our duty. Isaac put it back up. Ecclesiastes 12. This is is our duty as, as human beings. We ought to fear God and keep His commandment. Everything else is Secondary. Everything else is there. That means if if me taking this job is going to make me less able to, to worship God, I shouldn't take the job. If doing this is going to take my attention away from God, I shouldn't do it. You know, China. Oh, China, I love China. You know what they did? In the universities today, they came up with a law that men should have no sex with a woman before marriage. If you had that, you'll be expelled from your college. China is more Christian than we are. Listen to me. That's biblical. Fornication is sin. Pornography is sin. Immorality, unrighteousness, unholiness, impure lifestyle. This is why when we come to church, our hearts are so hardened to God's word. And that's why you need to hear preaching like this. That will bombard us three times a week. Because we understand man's all is to fear God and keep His commandment. Look around you. That has gone down the drain today. That's why people don't bring their best anymore. Because God can be negotiated. And you know what they see? The consequences of it In their own life. There's no peace in their life. There's no peace in their marriage. There's no peace in their jobs. There's no peace. There's always torment. There's turmoil. There's problems. There's issues. All of that because they have always put God at the back. According to Hebrews 11, the Bible says, Abel offered to God. Now again, this is not an offering sermon though I injected a little bit of that, but this is not an offering sermon. Please hear me. Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Uh, Isaac, go ahead and put Hebrews eleven four up, and I'm closing with this. I promise you, I'm done. A more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Right? What pleased God? What pleased God was Abel brought his very best. But this passage tells me right here, why did Abel make it through the hall of faith? Because in order for him to bring the best and the first, it took faith. For some of you, it is going to take faith, and you did not. You don't just don't want to challenge your faith. You just don't want to take a risk for God at all. When it comes to your money, you just want to place it. I just give little bit lah, little bit lah, little bit lah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm upset, Church. How much longer can we carry the burden? I need you to understand. This chess costs money. How much can we do if people just give leftovers and lose change? Listen, I'm not talking about people who are struggling financially. There are people in this church. Come on, you have a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars. You can write a check for ten thousand to the church. But you wouldn't. Because pastors squander the money. Are we serious? in this church. Can I challenge you? Stop being stingy. Hey, 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 hey. You can get offended with me. Walk away. But I believe that the only way to keep this going is if we give our very best to God. You can, by all means, I'm not happy with what you said, Pastor. It doesn't matter. I won't force you to give, but I'll tell you, when you give your best, God will do the best for you. See, the, think about it, the role of a pastor is tough. You challenge people to give, they get offended, they walk away. You don't challenge people to give, they don't give, and you don't have money. Both ways or so, you die. I'd rather die after challenging people. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, it's time for you to show God what's your best. Hey, beloved, if my, you know, can I just throw this in? If Between my wife, just between us, if, if we gave our all, beloved, that was all we had. And we don't even take a salary. You have savings. That's why I fight for this church the way I fight. Because when people talk big, I say, have you paid for this church? You know, when we go back to the renovation, you know how much we gave? I won't talk about that, but I'll tell you, we know. So when people try to poison this church, when people try to intoxicate this church, I fight for it because I put my money where my mouth is. Don't you dare try to damage this church, beloved. Neither anybody, because beloved, this is what God wants. God wants our best. I want to challenge men and women to bring their best to God. So what does your best involve? Number one, your total being, everything that you have. Everything. Everything. Your best can never be qualified your best until you have done everything total being that's what the bible says in matthew 22 the whole being that means i must love the lord my god with all my heart all my mind and all my everything in me everything nothing in me should be left out everything in me should be completely sold out and given to god when you worship god does god have your heart i see sometimes we are worshiping and we are so sibo hey lift your hands and sing what are you waiting for? For an angel to fall from heaven and say, Tuck, tuck, worship. You've already come to church. Listen, you've already come this far. You've took a car, you took a bike, you walked here. Don't la, come half-heartedly and stand there. You know. Worship. Give it your all. Your total being. I said, you may get offended with me. You may not like me, but that's fine. That's fine, because I want to preach the truth. If this church is going to work, I need people who will give their best. Number two, you got to give God your first of everything. That's why prayer is so important. That's why you wake up in the morning at 6.30, we come to church and we pray. Don't tell me. Don't tell me that other things are more important. Your yoga can wait for crying out loud. Your your gym can wait for crying out loud. All your exercise routine, you need to pray first. You need to lay hold of God first. You need to spend time with God. You got to give Him first of your day, first of your time, first of everything that you have, beloved. Your best involves giving God your first of everything. Number three, your best involves giving God your most superior work. Not half past six work. If you're going to do something for God, do it with excellence. That means I'm going to repair this. Repair it the best way you can. Listen carefully to me, church. This is how you bring your best to God. By making sure... You're all in, totally, sold out, sold out, given to God, giving God the first of your everything. Some people, you know, I I realize that they will never tithe, but when I preach a sermon on tithing, the next day they'll tithe. What are you waiting for? Can I ask you tonight, do you fear God or fear me? I'm challenging your faith tonight. You've got to bring your best to God. And give God your very excellent work. I want you to bow your heads with me. Tonight, it's decision time. You and I are going to have to make a choice if God is truly first in our lives. You and I are going to have to make a choice.